0: Episode 45, Hobby Casino. Bonus. All right. I'm all in continuing my bonus podcast episode series, trying something totally different. Okay. So I have no headphones. I have a new background really only for this episode. And if you're watching me on YouTube, it makes more sense because you can see what I'm wearing right now. But if you're listening to this by podcast, definitely, you know, I'm going to try and explain what you're missing visually because I love my podcast listeners, but I am currently wearing a red hoodie sweatshirt, got sunglasses on, I got a hat on, and my video background is a stock image of a casino floor with slots in the background and what I think is supposed to be the green felt of a poker table. So why am I doing this? Well, this is how I looked 20 years ago when I would play poker. My game of choice, and it really was the game of choice as many people at that time. It was no limit, Texas hold'em. Mostly one-two, meaning small blind was a dollar, big blind was two dollars. But I'm not going to get into all that right now because this is not a poker podcast. But in between my two prior times in the hobby from 1992 to 1999, and then again from 2007 to 2012, there was this stretch of time during college and as a young adult when I played a lot of poker. Turning to that time, Chris Moneymaker just won the World Series of Poker. It was televised on ESPN, poker was in the zeitgeist. And it was culturally relevant. At least it was in the US in the mid to late 2000s. Rounders had just come out years ago. I I did look this up. It was 1998. But what I did not have to look up was that was such a freaking good movie. Right? Ed Norton, Matt Damon, John, not Damon. I must be watching too much Shark Tank. Uh, Matt Damon, John Malkovich with his Oreo cookies, Gretchen Mall, Famke Jansen, John Turturro. Just Ed Norton as Worm. Just unbelievable. So why do I bring up poker? Because I'll tell you why, right? I mean, that's why we're here. That's why I'm wearing this red hoodie. Got my sunglasses on. Inside. <laughs> well... This past weekend, it was my local regional card show. Chantilly card show. I was making deals, buying, selling, trading. It wasn't my first show. wasn't my first local show. my fr- wasn't my first Chantilly show. But I was making more deals and not just at the card show floor, but also the unofficial trade night. And it was the first time... Even though it wasn't my first time at a show and making deals, something just came over me and I just had like an epiphany or I don't know what it was, but I couldn't help but think about the following. If the hobby is a casino, what is the equivalent of slots, craps, roulette, blackjack, and poker, right? Some of these games I just mentioned, they're games of skill. Games of chance. Some of them are games of luck, things like that. So, this concept of the hobby as a casino, it's not an original idea. And I'll definitely give a shout out to Cage Lawyer, okay? So, who has talked about it in the past. And if I'm being frank and open and transparent, like I usually am, uh, I actually wanted him on this episode. On this particular podcast episode, on on my podcast, to talk about this concept, we just couldn't make it work. Maybe we can in the future, but I wanted to cut this episode. I wanted to record it. It's just been on my mind so much. And sometimes when I get something in my mind, I just can't, I can't get it out until I actually uh, produce the content. So I did look this up. Back when it was called the Luca Tigers LeBron's podcast. It was episode 953. The title of that episode was breaking is breaking just another unlicensed casino. And that ran March 28th, 2023. You can go look it up. I will admit I didn't listen to it again recently. I but I do remember listening to it a while ago uh, back, I guess, in March or April. Um. And I think, I feel like he had another recent episode with, you know, the rebranded, the hobby with Cage about this concept, this idea of hobby as a casino. I just couldn't find it. So I don't have the citation here, but, you know, shout out to Cage. Um, I think maybe another catalyst for me thinking about this idea, and I'm going to kind of go down to my talking points because I think I wanted to later talk about it, was that There was a poker hobby mashup, okay, in some ways. Um, Where are my notes? I mean, I know who it was and what game it was. So I I never play Pot Limit Omaha, but there was recently a a hobbyist going by the name of Jared Blesnick, who won a very big Pot Limit Omaha tournament. I think he won like $1.2 million, which, I mean you know it's back when i was playing chris moneymaker i think maybe he won a million and then every year after that the stakes kept getting bigger and bigger but with like a ton of entrance cuz everyone thought that they could win just like him which was i think the the amazing story about him he was an amateur and he beat all these pros and his name was moneymaker right it was just like a magical storyline so anyway i never got into pot limit omaha but you know what came across my social media feed in instagram was this collector this person in the hobby who was opening up boxes of cards i think one or two boxes of high-end i can't remember exactly what brand maybe flawless and was like kind of taking his time and I thought it was hilarious i thought it was fantastic really to be honest i'm sure some people didn't like it but i think that really made me think about poker again uh because i mean i I don't like that label that i'm an influencer um i think i'm a content creator but i'm also very i think sometimes very easily influenced okay so here's the thing now I lost my notes. I got to go back to it. Is breaking an unlicensed casino, right? That was the whole premise of uh, of the podcast episode that Cage did. Breaking wax, ripping wax, group breaks. My opinion, no skill, right? Just random luck, game of chance. And within that game of chance you have different stakes right you have penny slots which i don't know i'll i'll say is like uh trying to open up score or nba hoops and then you have the hundred dollar slots um kind of like the mid-end stuff let's say like prism or mosaic or select then you have the thousand dollar slots flawless national treasures buying cases of it just putting in literal thousands of dollars into into a game of chance But then I thought, poker, okay, it's not completely a game of chance or luck. I mean, there's definitely an element of it, a strong element of it, because you don't know what cards are coming out. But there is definitely a skill involved. Uh, Can inexperienced players win? I mean, with that Chris Moneymaker example, yeah. I mean, they can. Can donkeys and whales win? Sure. But there was a prevailing conventional wisdom in the poker world at that time, and since, I don't know, since the beginning of poker and and still holds true now, or not true, but a prevailing conventional wisdom, which is that skill always wins out at the end because a skilled player will continuously make the right moves, the right bets, the right folds, the right decisions, and that in the long run, that skill would overcome any bad luck. We can all go through bad beats, bad run of cards. You know, uh, no player is going to ever win every tournament they get into, no matter how skill skilled they are. But in the long run, the thought was: if you are very good at poker, that you can make money in it, and that you know whether it's whether you're a professional or semi pro. But the general concept was: if you're good at it. You can make money in it. Now, the problem with poker and with this analogy into the card world is everyone thinks that they can do it. Uh, Everyone thinks that they're not the mark, that they're not the chump. And there is definitely this saying in poker. And I had to, well, I didn't have to look it up, but kind of Googled for it. And apparently Warren Buffett was reported to say this, but who knows how true that is. And the quote is, if you are playing poker and you don't know who the chump is or the sucker is, then you are likely the chump or sucker. End quote. Well, it wasn't quoting like the chump or sucker. I was just trying to give two different names. No, nope, but here's the more important thing. No one wants to believe that they are that they are the mark, the chump, the sucker. And I think it's just very human nature to overestimate your own skill level. Again, watching this amateur beat pros, I think gave a lot of confidence to people being like, I can do that. Does that mean I can do it? Yeah, maybe I can do it. And it's funny because the whole premise of my hobby as Thompson, the car diary podcast has been, you know, find what you like doing. Can anyone do any of this? You know, can you not, you know, my my pockets is not about making money in the hobby. It's not about investing. It's not about hot and cold cards. It's about finding what you like doing. And I'm still trying to find out what, what I like to do. But when it comes to this analogy of poker and cards, here's the point I want to make is let's completely take away the sentimental value the nostalgia, the emotions of cards and just looking at it strictly in a monetary value with comps uh, and and the transactional side of the hobby, which I am trying to get better at transactions that can have very binary outcomes with winners and losers. And of course there are degrees of winning and losing, right? I mean, you can eke out a win and be considered a winner, but is there always a winner and a loser on the other side? You know, I don't know, right? I mean, once you put in sentimental value and the amount of, um, you know, the, the value people put in cards, you can definitely have two happy parties in a one-on-one trade. Let's say it's just like money for a card or a card for a card swap, right? This card is worth more to me and this card is worth less less me and i'll just make that trade with someone who it's it's the opposite i mean that's trading at its core right but let's assume that these trading cards are kind of like playing cards we're playing poker everyone wants to quote unquote win and not lose all right so it's like and again i think it's kind of like this uh the value of money and getting into a deal is almost like getting into a ha- a pot, getting into a you know a hand. You can fold. I mean, there's so many things you could do in poker, right? You can you can you can bet, you can fold, you can raise, you can re-raise. But the main thing is the chips. The the again, we're I think what did they say uh, in poker? once you turn money into chips or again in the modern age like digitize it it's almost like it doesn't become money it's like it's easier for you to use chips because you lose the the uh, almost like concept of money it's 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 almost like um you know playthings and, and ways to keep like track of points so it's interesting that when you put money into a, a hand or a pot, you are hoping to win that pot, right? But you also know that you can lose. And when you're flipping, you certainly hope that you're going to make more than you lose. But of course, with market and player fluctuations, you can certainly lose the hands. But if you're savvy enough, like in poker, the hope is that if you keep playing enough hands, seeing enough cards, both, you know, again, the, the concept of cards being trading cards and playing cards, the more time you put into the hobby, you think you're you're gaining skills and that you're going to win. And I mean, as an aside, I'll just kind of, you know, say it's almost like this idea of the more experience you gain, it's like the, the concept of 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, that you're going to be good enough to, again, we've heard this term a lot, level up, right? You can get you get so, if you do so well playing 1-2, no limit, and you amass this bankroll, then you're like, I think I feel confident enough to play 2-4, two, 2-5, two, right? So I almost, I feel like I should take a break here because I usually do. And let me recenter my thoughts. Oh, you know what? This is, oh gosh, this is StreamYard. I'm going to have to keep going, <laughs> I think. All right, here we go. Like poker with trading cards, and I felt this a lot because you spend a lot of hours in a in a trading card show, uh, and then you add on trade night, and you are talking about a long day of cards. Uh, You have to have endurance, sharp mental uh, focus. You have to be quick with numbers, both in poker and in a trade. And sometimes, yeah, you have to back out of a deal um, and not feel pot committed or pot invested because. Quite honestly, sometimes folding is the best choice to make, but everything that I said just now, it's almost, these are skills and also people skills come into play, right? Like knowing people's bluffs in the poker world, but in the card, in the sports card or trading card world, you know, are they telling the truth when they say that price is their best price or that they're not willing to come down anymore or go up anymore? So There's a lot of negotiation skills that come into play and a lot of people skills that really kind of cemented this idea of the hobby. If the hobby is a casino, then buying, selling and trading single cards, raw, slabbed, whatever it is, just, you know, dealing in cards, you know, post pack pulled and like, you know, like. We're talking about like card show cards that that seems like a a lot like poker to me. Okay. So I just wanted to kind of make this podcast episode. I don't even know how good I I feel like I'm talking in a really slow, weird way too. But I'm like, I'm all there. It's just it really must be this hoodie and the sunglasses. And I don't know, maybe I feel like when I was younger, I felt I, I do think that I was like dumber. I'm not gonna lie. Um, maybe it's just my brain is slowing down. I don't know at this point, at this point, I'm just rambling, but okay. Here's the thing in poker in no, I didn't mean to say in poker. So the idea that I mentioned earlier about breaking wax being like slots, right? Cause there's no luck involved. You just, you know, some people think that finding the right machine, you know, uh, find the ones nearest the bathroom or nearest the, the main avenues of traffic those are the best ones i don't know about any of that but like breaking wax and slots there are the penny slots thousand dollar slots and everything in between in poker there are different stakes too right i just mentioned i never played well i didn't mention this but i played one two no limit i will admit i never played more than that uh, I did dabble with two four and four eight limit Texas Hold'em, which is where you don't you can't put in all your chips in the middle and say all in and all that. I never got into pot limit Omaha, which you know, I mentioned earlier, but I never played beyond my means, and which means I never played more than what I could lose or what I could afford to lose. And I got to say, I now that I think about it, I don't know how much money I made. I won one tournament, which was awesome. It was a 40-player, 40, uh, $40 tournament at, like, it, it was in Atlantic City. I was, like, in my early 20s. And it wasn't a huge field. It wasn't a big stakes. But actually, what was it? I don't think it was $40. It was 40 people, maybe $100. I think it ended up winning something like, a thousand something, right? Um, but that was like the hugest rush of adrenaline and and you know <laughs> uh, confidence in my poker playing um skills. Probably just got really lucky. Um, oh, I do remember the final I was in the final two was me and this older lady, and I asked her, does she want to chop the the pot or the chop the winnings, which means you kind of negotiate a deal, right? instead of, winner take all or winner gets the most money, you kind of, you know, split it something like depending on the amount of chips you both have, like 50, 50, 60, 40, 70, 30. And she was like, no, I, I want to win. I want to see if I win and I want to, it's bragging rights at that point. And I was like, all right, game on let's play. And, um, man, that was, that was, that was quite a time. But again, this is not purely a poker podcast uh poker episode although no this is a poker episode because we're definitely equating um buying selling and trading single cards with poker but yeah um i i just feel like yeah i didn't go beyond my means and i feel the same way with the hobby in general i i would love to make these big plays and big moves with bigger cards but i know i have a budget i want to stick to it. Um, I do generally believe that I'm a fiscally responsible individual, and I think the part that does sometimes come into play that's hard for me is that, you know, cards do have this sentimental, nostalgic value to me, but when it comes to the flipping game, which I'm not very good at, but I want to get better at because I think that'll just make me a more well-rounded hobbyist. And also, every time you make a deal or transaction, you just build a relationship with people, and that's that's important to me. Um, But I do want to stay within budget and comfort level because you know big swings can also mean big strikeouts. You know, right? High risk, high reward. Um, Although, sidetrack. I feel like maybe there are safer plays, like say vintage. I don't know, which I haven't really done much of. But yeah, when it comes to moves, I find myself wanting to yearning for a bigger game or bigger stakes but knowing that I don't have the experience level or the enough time under my belt to warrant playing a bigger game and also my my bankroll my budget is is just lower so the cards i dabble in are like the under $100 cards or the 100 200 300 cards for the most part and here's the other thing Maybe this will be like a thirty-minute episode. I'm definitely not going to go a whole hour. But here's the thing: um, I also played online poker at that time. You know, there was like full tilt and um, Poker Stars, and I can't even remember. There's like six or seven. It was like crazy. It was it really was like the Wild West then. But I felt like po- online poker really did seem so transactional because. What I loved about playing in real life, being at a poker table, whether it was a casino or home game, it wasn't just to extract as much money from the other players as possible. Although, you know, of course, that's the name of the game, chips and money. That's how you keep score. But it really was for me that table ambiance, the camaraderie, the road trips with my buddies when we would go to casinos Uh, When we would play in tournaments and during breaks say, how are you doing? How's it going? Because, you know, if it was like multi-table, you likely weren't playing in the same uh, table as your friends. Uh, Playing in cash games, how, you know, games at people's homes, hanging out, having fun, you know, just just um, chopping it up and just just, you know, shooting the breeze. That's what I loved about poker. Uh, There was certainly the, ooh, I can make some money on the side or know get some money for for a bar tab in the weekend but i loved the human element and aspect i also loved seeing if i could tell people when they were lying or bluffing and i think that's also what i love about being in a card show versus buying selling and trading online because it's relationship building buying online can take that human element away I mean there are exceptions like let's say you know the person or let's say there's a marketplace where they foster community building which can definitely a to- be a topic for another time but when you're at a card show it's like being in a in real life you know live poker game again either at a casino or a home game because you're seeing people you're you can measure you know their non their what they're saying Their verbal language, their nonverbal language. I mean, that's why people wear sunglasses. They're like, oh, if I have a tell, uh, if people can tell when I'm lying based upon the amount I blink or the way my eyes shift, they would wear sunglasses. I didn't always play with sunglasses and hoodie. I thought it was pretty ridiculous. So I am like 25 minutes into this looking like this. And I will very much admit I look silly. I did not always play poker like this. I think this was my I'm serious or I don't want people to uh, I want people to take me seriously and I'm going to win this tournament. But I would never wear sunglasses and a hat and a hoodie over my head in a house game with my buddies. I mean, that would get you uh, not kicked out, but incredibly ridiculed the entire evening um, if you were trying to play like that. But. For those of you who are in your late 30s, early 40s, or older, you'll remember how this looked. It was the dude at the poker table. And I'm sorry, it was like always dudes. But it was the dude at the poker table who would like, you know, cover his mouth, try not to do a tell. Sorry, this is terrible for audio, I guess, covering my mouth. But he would kind of sit like this. And he will try to not move, try to not show any um, mannerisms or verbal or nonverbal language and just sit still. Like, can you imagine if like, this is how people transacted in like the hobby. But I feel like when you transact online, you don't, you can't tell people's bluffs and tells you, you know, there's the words, right. And you just have to infer uh tone as best as you can. And you know figure out whether people are bluffing or not um and yeah i didn't like online poker it was I, I wasn't good at it either i think maybe i was a little bit too impulsive back in my younger days um i guess that's a good way for me to say i i haven't played poker in a really long time i have dabbled in it very little um where i currently live in the dc metro area i actually have. uh the MGM National Harbor, very close to my house. Uh, You know, it's almost like a stone's throw away. And if you told me in my 20s that that was the case, I, I feel like I would have been there all the time. And I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad I'm not playing poker. But it's almost like I'm playing this different game. Again, if it's purely transactional, no emotion, no nostalgia, no sentimental value, if i'm trying to flip say cards that don't matter to me and by that i mean football baseball other sports um to fund my basketball card uh habit or hobby or collection it's almost like i'm trying to get into some pots to see if i can you know put some money down on the table make a good move and see if i can win the pot I guess. So I don't know. Um, oh yeah. And, and the reason I bring up the MGM national Harbor also is that people were posting on Instagram that they were going to that particular casino as they were coming to the Chantilly show. Cause the Chantilly show is a local show for me as well, which I just feel really, I guess, fortunate and lucky about. Um, but again, um, having a casino so close to my house, it's, it's, It's wild, Uh, but I have no, I used to have this thing where I felt so, I don't know, um, maybe addiction is the word, I don't know, but I felt so like I had to scratch that itch. I had to get to the casino or the home game. And back when I was more into poker, uh, we would drive from, say, D.C., because we, the MGM National Harbor didn't exist, but, you know, you had Atlantic City. So we would drive like six hours each way, try to make a day trip out of it. Probably really dangerous, like night driving with uh, drivers who were so tired. But we would try to like, I mean, like make the cost of uh, lodging cheaper, like, you know, multiple dudes and, mul- you know, very few beds like musical chairs or musical beds and we just try to make it work but there was definitely some sort of romance like romantic uh ideal of that and i don't know where i'm going with this i it's just me kind of getting my thoughts out it was a really it's a time that i can look back at fondly but also know that it wasn't really good um like i didn't lose a lot of money i also didn't win a lot of money i think you know maybe even steven at the end of the day i broke even i made some great friends out of it i don't know how many just poker friends i still have but uh friends that i had prior to poker i think maybe our friendships did deepen or strengthen through playing poker together and um who knows maybe poker does come back into my life in the future but right now i am happy that i don't have poker in my life i don't have any desire or strong alert to go to a casino and drop money at the roulette table or craps which craps by the way is like the most social fun game but i have no desire to go play slots i was never a slots person and yet and yet I love breaking wax when I can. Definitely the penny slots version. Nothing high end. Uh, getting into group breaks was something I used to do. I don't do it anymore. I think I like the Percy uh, element, the individual box break, uh, and just keeping the cards because I think as a collector, um, yes, I might not get the the players or teams that I I covered or I really want, but I think you know I still look at cards like they are art. And they bring me joy. And, you know, when you end up liking a lot of, like, let's say you love the NBA and there's a lot of players that you admire uh, from a, you know, skill level, you can open up a box just for yourself and enjoy what's in there. Even if you don't get, like, you know, one of your top three players, if you admire the other ones. And then, of course, you can buy, sell, and trade those cards. So I think maybe that's where I'll end this hobby as a casino, slots being breaking wax, buying, selling, trading singles online or at uh, a card show, being like playing poker online or playing poker in real life. That was the main concept or theme I wanted to explore. I feel like I need someone like Cage to push me on this and to tease this out more. So I think maybe my ask for my listeners Uh, I hope this is a good episode. I hope this one gets over like 200. Not because I I need to have uh, more cloud or chasing cloud or I need more uh, followers. It's more of like, I think this is a really interesting idea. And I hope I presented it well enough and that it was entertaining enough of an idea for people to want to share it. So if you like this episode, um, share it. Tell people. uh, Put some pressure on Cage. I would love to explore this idea some more and really kind of refine it. And maybe it's not a good analogy. Maybe I uh, get into a really good debate or discussion and I realize maybe I was wrong about all of this because I will very much admit when you're talking into a microphone and you don't have a foil or someone on the other end, or again, it doesn't have to be adversarial, but like an adversarial can be healthy too. But when you don't have someone to... Uh, ping this idea off of. You really are kind of like speaking. Uh, you're shouting in. You're shouting in space, and no one can hear you. It's like the the whole podcast medium. I find fascinating because here I am just talking uninterrupted for over 30 minutes. This time I didn't even do a a break in the middle. No little interlude music and anything like that. Just talking. Look at me. I'm still talking. So meta, but. When you have someone to a co-host or someone to ping ideas off of, I think there's a a chemistry, a dynamic. And so I think maybe that's been missing a little bit with me is having that that foil, that person. So, yeah, that's my plea. Cage, if you're listening, let's talk about this some more. Heck, even if it's not Cage, other people, I would love if this, if anything in here resonated with you or you're just you screaming into in your car being like you're so wrong and here are all the reasons you're wrong, hit me up. You know how to find me. Instagram, DM. I read everything. So long as people are civil and respectful and cordial, you don't even have to be professional. So long as you're cordial and civil, I'll listen, I'll talk. And then if you're not, then I'll just block you because I don't need that in my life. <laughs> so uh, let me take this hood off. Okay. For the people who are listening podcast only, I've taken the hood off. Oh man. I can hear so differently now, man. Was I talking like that the whole time? Taking the hat off, taking the sunglasses off. This is me. That version of me with the sunglasses and the hoodie and the hat inside playing poker, rifling through the chips the poker chips putting them in i never splashed the pot actually sometimes i would but um this is me this is this is me now i'm not gonna take the sweatshirt off that would just be a little bit too much but i'm glad that this is me i am a collector i'm a hobbyist i'm so glad to be back in the hobby i'm so glad i'm not in the uh, actual casino but yeah i'm in the hobby as a casino. And I hope you're enjoying the casino. I hope you're not losing your shirt. But again, sometimes with transactions, it, it can be binary. It can be a winner and a loser when we're talking strictly um, comps and financial value. So, all right, I'm done. That's all I should really say. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, subscribe, etc. But, you know, just let me know what you think about this episode and i really appreciate you all and my listeners internationally you know gracias avidersen huru and all of that take care